And I'm thankful for that guy who shared his story with me and showed me his story. And if you were here last week, this is what we really talked about last week. Paul, in uh, the Apostle Paul, he was a guy who, uh, like many of us, had a speckled past. He was a guy that, I mean, literally, he was a murderer of Christians. He literally murdered Christians, had them put to death. But then God saved him. Saved him, radically changed his life. And then, instead of being a murderer of Christians, he was a persuader to Christians. He persuaded others to be Christians. And I love Paul's story, and I think that Paul's story, hopefully you're not a murderer of anybody, but Paul's story is a story of a, like, just jacked up and broken past. And we've probably all got things that are jacked up and broken in our past. And it goes to show there's a lot of things that we could talk about, Paul, but it goes to show that, that, that Jesus can do anything in anybody's lives. All right, but Paul, Paul writes this letter to a church in a place called Corinth, and uh, we read this last week, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, you don't have to turn there, it'll be on the screen back here, you can see it, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul says this, as he's writing this, he's talking to these Christians, and so if you're a Christian, like, this is really important for you, he, this is what he says to them, he says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Now, that phrase, knowing the fear of the Lord, that doesn't necessarily mean that he was talking about being afraid of who God is. That phrase really means, what Paul is saying is, is, therefore, because I know what God has done in me, and because I know what God is doing through me, and because I know what God is going to do for you, then that drives me to persuade others to the same thing. That's what he's saying. He says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others others. And so Paul was telling Christians, he was saying, hey, this is really important. You need, to, you need to remember this. What has God done for you? What has Jesus done in your life? What is he doing in you right now? And listen, if you're not a Christian, if you're not a follower of Christ, we're so glad that you're here today. Like, we, we really are glad that you're here. We want you to be here next week, too. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't. But God's doing something in you right now, too. And here's why I know. It's because you're sitting in the seat that you're in right now. Like, maybe you made a plan to be here today, but I promise you, you did not come up with that plan all on your own. Maybe somebody invited you here today, and that's because of what God is doing in them. And then when God spoke it to them, he helped you get here. Like, you didn't end up here by accident today. Did you know that? Because I don't think any of you were on your way to Walmart and ended up here, right? Sorry. But, it, you know, we're glad that you're here. And so... Paul says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. And so, in other words, he says, because I know what God has done in me and what God has done for me, then I'm going to persuade others to see that same thing. Listen to what he says, moving on, verse 18, he says this. He says, all of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. That word reconciled, it just means that God took what was broken and jacked up and messy, and he brought it back together. He says, there, so he goes on, he says, God reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, he gave you and I the job, that's what ministry means, the job or the calling to also be reconcilers, to bring back together what was broken. That's your job and my job as Christians, if you're a follower of Christ. But he goes on, listen to what else he says. He says, that is... In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. In other words, you represent Jesus. You're a reflection of him. 
God making his appeal through us. And so we implore you, we beg you, we plead with you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And so last week we said this. If you weren't here last week, this is just a little bit of review. He said this. He said, he's, he's sum, summarizing what Paul has said. He's saying that because, you see, the gospel, that's the good news of Jesus, the story of who Jesus is, what he's done, what he's going to do. The gospel, the gospel was not designed to end with you. Do you know that? Like when you were saved, when Jesus saved you, if you're a Christian, the gospel is not supposed to end at you or end with you or die in you. The gospel was actually meant to go through you. You are a conduit for the gospel. It's not supposed to get into the cul-de-sac of our hearts and just spin out and die. It's actually designed to go through us. Because I bet, we'll talk about our stories here in just a minute, because I bet, I bet this, I bet your story might be a little bit like my story. Like somebody shared the gospel with you. Because the gospel did not end with them, the gospel went through them. Amen? And so... You and I have that same calling. That's what Paul says. He says, we're ambassadors for Christ. We, the message of reconciliation is given to us. And even if you think, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not what I'm supposed to do. I'm not supposed to preach. I'm not so, like, that does not even matter. Like, that's not even on. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be a minister. You don't have to go to seminary. Like, none of that should be true. What should be true is that you know that God has done something in you and God has done something for you, and you want somebody else to experience that too. That's what we talked about last week, just really to, to just summarize that. And so that was last week. So last week we really talked about the why, and this week, this week I want to talk about the how. How then? If this is true, if that's the why, then how then do we persuade others? Like what, is, what, like what does that look like? And so every single one of us, we've already talked about this a little bit, but every single one of us, we have a story. Even if you're not a Christian, you have a story. And your story is going to be different from my story, and your story is going to be different from the story of the person sitting next to you or across from you. But we all have a story. And here's the thing. Regardless of how exciting you think your story is, regardless of how boring you think your story might be, your story is what we'll see here in just a moment. Your story matters. And your story can make a difference. But, my story, my story started when I was about eight, maybe nine years old, somewhere around there. Honestly, I don't even remember how old it was. Here's, here's what I remember about the beginning of my story. I wasn't a follower of Christ. I wasn't a Christian. I was a, a little kid, you know, I was like eight, nine, maybe 10 years old. The worst thing that I'd probably done at that point was I maybe ate some glue and bit a kid. I don't know, like, you know, something like that. Maybe that's your story too. You were seven, like, that's the worst thing that you ever did too. I don't know. But like, I, I just... I, I can't tell you much about my life before Christ because, you know, like G.I. Joe's, Transformers, that's it. That's all I did all day long, football, right? And so, like, that was it. But I remember I went to vacation Bible school. Anybody? You know what I'm talking about, vacation Bible school? All right. So I went to, I went to vacation Bible school at uh, the church that I went to sometimes. I didn't go to church a lot, but I went to this church sometimes. And uh, I, remember, I remember sitting in this classroom with a bunch of my friends, and we're sitting there, and the pastor's wife came down, and, and she's like, okay, now i got to tell you a story. And so she takes this glove, and she puts this glove on her hand, and her, the glove has like five different colors, you know, for each finger, and each one had like some words written on it. And that she just kind of started with the thumb and just kind of went through each one, explained what each color was. And I'll never forget this. This is the only thing that I remember about this whole thing, about this whole experience, is that one of the colors was black. And so they, they used 
used the color black to talk about sin and how uh, just wrong, you know, sin was and that we're all sinners and, you know, all this stuff and everything like that. But then, like, I don't even really remember anything that she said about that. But then I remember this. She started talking about hell. And that's where sinners go is sinners go to hell right? And then she started talking about how hot it was and how mean it was and, and everybody's going to burn and gnash teeth and it's going to be absolutely awful. And so like she explains this whole thing, like we're all sweating and crying and it's awful. And then she goes, she goes, so who doesn't want to go to hell? And everybody goes, whoo, not me. I don't want to go. And so kids, earmuffs, she literally tried to scare the hell out of us. Like that's what she, that's what she literally tried to do, right? And so she, she said that, and then she goes, okay, if you don't want to go to hell, pray this prayer. I'm like, I don't want to go to hell, so I prayed whatever. I don't even know. Like, she could have, I mean, she could have said anything, and I would have repeated it. Like, I don't even know. But that was my story. And so then at the end of that, she, we, we pray this prayer, and she goes, okay, now you're all Christians. Cool. You guys want to play some football? You know, it's like, when we get in the Kool-Aid, right? Cookies. Like, I had no idea. Like, I don't even know. And l- l- listen. Maybe that's your story. Like maybe you have a story like that. Maybe you walked down an aisle and somebody said, hey, okay, pre- re- repeat this prayer after me. Or maybe you went to a class and you kind of went through this whole thing. And maybe that's part of your story. And hey, if that's part of your story, that's part of your story. I'm not knocking your story. It's, it's your story. I'm just saying this was my story. Here's what I know about my story. I don't know that I gave my life to Christ when I was 8, 9, 10 years old. But here's what I do know. That when I was about 13 or 14, that this guy shared the gospel with me, and all of a sudden, like, Jesus started to become real. Like, faith started to become real. Grace started to make sense. My depravity and my sin started to make sense. My need for repentance, meaning turning away from sin and turning to Jesus, it all started to make sense. And I think it was somewhere in that moment. I don't know when the day was. I don't know what the exact moment was. I don't know any of that stuff. All I know was that it was somewhere around that moment that I know that at that moment, that's when I became a follower of Christ. And here's the thing. I haven't stopped following him. You don't become a follower of Christ and then the journey ends. It just begins. And so that's my story. See, but that was 13, 14 years old. So since then, like, I grew to love who Jesus was, love what he was doing, love what he was calling me into. But then as I got a little older, like, life happened. Anybody have that part in their story? Like, life happened. You know, so for me, like, it was ups and downs. It was college. It was early adulthood. It was, you know, ups, you know, all of these things. But here's what I know that through all of those moments, that Jesus never stopped pursuing me, and he never stopped loving me. And I'm standing here today because of that. And I believe that that is part of your story and can be part of your story too. No matter where you are right now in the present, in your story, I believe that that can be a part of your story. And so my story, it matters to me. And I love sharing my story with people. I think your story matters too. And so we're going to look at how this just works out practically, because here's what I know about all of our stories, is that when we think about sharing our story and telling our story to other people, like, we get a little nervous. We get a little afraid, you know, and part of us thinks, well, you know what? Like, I've got so many fears around that. Like, like I don't have what it takes to share my story. And I know that you don't have what it takes to share your story because I don't have what it takes to share my story. But God didn't design the gospel for us to just have what it takes and to do it on our own. In fact, Luke 12, 12 says this. It says, For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. 
In other words, the power of God, the Spirit of God in you will actually give you the words to say to be able to share your story at times. That takes all the pressure off of you. And so if you think that you don't have what it takes, good. You're in good company because I don't have what it takes either. None of us do. Or you might think to yourself, well, you know what, I, I don't have the time like, to, to share my story. Or, you know what, sharing, uh, like, sharing my story is kind of weird, and talking about that, you know, it's kind of weird sometimes. Or uh, Here's a big one. I, I think we hear this one a lot. It's like, you know what, well, I would share my story, but you know what, faith, faith is a private matter. Now, I would say this, is that Jesus had a public ministry, died a public death on a public cross, and he resurrected in public. I think if he wanted you to keep it private, he would have done it differently. Now, that doesn't mean that, that we have to go, like, you know, slapping Jesus fish all over the back of our cars and, like, blaring, you know, Love 89 or whatever it is. I don't even know what it is anymore. It's not Love 89. What, K-Love or Air One or, you know, so I don't even know what it is. Uh, I listen to center music. Uh, and so, like, uh, so um, you don't have to, though. That's just me. Uh, and so, um, not that I don't listen to that. So, anyway, so, uh, like... Uh, like, that doesn't mean that you have to, like, you know, just, like, blast and blare and just, like, be, you know, you know all over the place like that. That's not what that, that, that means. What it means is that, that you're just, you just normally share your story with people. And we're going to look at this, like, practically what this looks like. So if you have a Bible, open it up to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, Jesus has this encounter with a woman. And this might be a familiar passage to some of you. You may have heard it before. There's a lot going on here, and we're honestly, we're just not going to cover everything that's going on here. We, in a series maybe um, a year or two ago, uh, we, we went through this whole text and talked about every little piece of this whole text, and so um, you can go to our website and, and find that um, there. But John chapter 4, Jesus has this encounter with a woman from Samaria. And now Jesus is Jewish, and this woman is a Samaritan, and just a little cultural background, it's a no-no for them to hang out. Like culturally, it was not cool for Samaritans and Jews to even be around each other. But Jesus, on his way from doing ministry, sort of makes a detour to have a conversation with this woman. And so he's very intentional about this. We'll talk about this. So look at this. I'm going to read you a couple of verses. John chapter 4, starts starting in verse 7 from this story. It says this, A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. So all of the disciples that were with Jesus, they had went into the city to get something to eat, hitting up the McDonald's or Burger King, uh, per, I think maybe Taco Bell, I don't know. And so like, and they're going to get him something to eat, right? Get everybody something to eat, bring it back. So Jesus makes a detour and he sees this woman sitting by a well. So he sits down and he talks to her. And he says, Hey, give me a drink. Can you get me a drink, right? Listen to what happens next. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman from Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who is saying this to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Translation, you better recognize who you're talking to, right? He's like, hey, I'm about to show you something. Jesus is about to drop a bomb on this woman, and it's going to change everything. Verse 11, it says, The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Now listen what Jesus says to her. Verse 13, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but... 
Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Now, this is really important, especially for the woman to say what she said there at the end. She said, so that I will not have to come here to draw this water. What you need to understand what the, uh, right before this is it says that it was about noontime when the woman came to the well and it was very hot outside. The woman was coming at noon because all the women in the village would come early in the morning to draw water out of the well. So why did this woman come later? Well, she was not a very respected woman in the city. She had a past. She had things going on. She had things that she didn't want people to know about. So she was coming to the well later in the day so that nobody else would be there. But Jesus, being Jesus, knew what was up. And so she said, I want that water. So what Jesus did was he actually created an interest in the, like, she was like, what are you talking about? Like, I want that water. Like, I, please give me some of this water. Skip down to verse 25. Like I said, there's a lot going on here and we can't cover it all. But verse 25, it says this. They, she kind of diverts the conversation a little bit because she realizes that Jesus kind of, you know, can read her cards a little bit. And so she kind of starts talking about something else. But verse 25, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming is coming, or in other words, who is called Christ. The Messiah was the one who would come to save them. And she said that when he comes, he will tell us all things. And this is where Jesus drops the bomb on her. He says, he said to her, I who speak to you am he. Jesus just said, hey, I am the Messiah. Like I am the one who saves. I am the one who actually has the living water that you want. Like I'm not just making this up. Like you're going to want this. And this changes everything for the woman. Look at what happens next. It goes on. It says, Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? Verse 28. So the woman left her water jar and went away into the town and said to the people, Come see a man who has told me all that I ever did. In other words, she went back to the town. She's like, Hey, I got to tell you about this Jesus guy that I just met. She went and she told her story. She said, you got to come and see what this Jesus guy has done. you got to come and see what he's done, done in me. you got to come and see because he's told me everything about me. Like, you've got to come and see. She just went and invited a bunch of people to church. That's what she did. She said, you got to come and see for yourself. Come and see everything. And she says, can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Skip over to verse 39. It says, many Samaritans from that town believed in him. What's the word? Because of the woman's what? Testimony. Her story. That's what testimony means. It means they came and they believed because of this woman's story. So this whole village, this whole village comes to meet Jesus. And this whole village gets to know who Jesus is. And this whole village is absolutely changed. So here in the South, you know what we call that? Revival. Right? They just had a big old revival in this village. Right? If you're not from church, don't worry about it. It's, it's cool. It's where a bunch of people get, get together and act crazy. And so, like, like, so they just had revival. Like, like these people, they came and they met Jesus. And the reason why they came and they met Jesus is because of the woman's story. She shared her story. So you got to come and see. you got to come and see for yourself. Her story made a difference. Her story mattered. Listen to what happens next. It says this. It says, So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. 
And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Did you know that your story could be like this woman's story? That you sharing your story could literally cause revival to happen in your workplace, in your neighborhood, in your school, in your home. Because you shared your story to just say, you got to come and see. Like, i got to tell you about what Jesus is doing in me. And listen, your part of your Jesus story, the only part of your Jesus story that you may have at this moment, it may not be what Jesus has done to save you. It may just be that, that you came here today. That something happened right now for you here in this moment, right here today. That may be the only part of the story that you get to tell, but you might be able to go back to wherever it is that you go back to later today or on Monday or whatever it is that you do, and you got like, hey, man, you got to come and see. I, I just, I don't know what happened Sunday, but, like, it was just weird. It was different. It was good, though, so you got to, like, you, you need some of this. Like, your story can make a difference. So what does that look like practically? Four things real quick, and we'll close. Four practical steps to, to just sharing your story. Because maybe you think to yourself, you know what, I, how, how do I do that? Well, number one, let's not make it complicated. Like, that's, that's not a point, but this, we've made this way more complicated than it has to be. It's not as complicated as it sounds. Like, it doesn't mean that you need to get with people and be like, all right, so let's open up the Bible and go through the Bible and the whole Romans Road thing. Some of you know what that is and, like, go through that thing. If, hey, if that's you and you end up doing that, that's fine. That's all well and good. But it doesn't have to be that complicated. Here's, let me just put it in simple terms. It's sharing, this is your story. It's sharing about what Jesus, um, who you were before Christ, what Jesus is doing in you, and where you are now. That's your story. That's your story. And you have, there's times where you're only going to share parts of the story, like who you were before Christ. There's going to be times about you sharing what Christ has done in you. There's going to be times where you're just sharing what, what God is doing right now, where you are right now. Like that is your story, but it's your story. And it can make a difference. And so four practical steps. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, here's, uh, this should go without saying, but number one, don't be weird. <clears throat> You see, Jesus, if you read this story, not just this story, but just any story in general, like when Jesus was, when he was with farmers, you know what Jesus talked about? Farming. Seeds, right? He tells a parable. He tells parables are stories. He tells a story about casting seeds. He knew that these people that he was around, a lot of them were farmers and into agricultural and, and things like that. And so he talks about, hey, when you throw a seed out, when you're sowing seeds, he's like, some seeds are going to fall on a path and the path's going to be really hard and other seeds are going to fall you know, into the rocks and other seeds the birds are going to come and get and other seeds are going to fall into the thorns. And he like gives this whole story about seeds because he's talking to farmers. When he talks to uh, fishermen, what does he talk about? He goes up to Peter, right? And he's like, Peter, you've been catching fish. You're a fisherman. Why don't you come and be a fisherman of men? So Jesus talks about things that are normal and natural. He doesn't walk up to somebody and go, AJ, if you were to die tonight, where would you go when you die? Yeah, that's weird, right? And so like, now, like, listen, you know, if that's you, like, if you got a way to do that, I can't do that without being weird because that right there, that was just weird, right? 
And so, like, maybe you can do that without being weird, but I can't do that without being weird. Sometimes it's just weird, right? If I sit down with somebody and I go, all right, man, hey, listen, I just got to tell you this, but you need to be washed in the blood, and he's going to go, you need to go to jail. <clears throat> That's weird, right? Like, I know what that means. They don't know what that means, probably, right? Or if I start talking about, you know, you got to get sanctified, man. Like, be sanctified or get chicken fried. Like, one of the two, like, you know, it's going to happen, right? Let me tell you about the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like, if I start talking about these things and uh, eschatology, uh, esch- I can't even say it, like, right? Like, like, eschatology, like, you know, like, theology and all of this stuff, like, it just doesn't make sense. And so you don't have to be weird. Just be normal. Talk about normal things, things that make sense to people because this is what Jesus did. He was at a well. So what did Jesus talk about? Water, right? He didn't get weird on them. He just talked about what was there. So number one, let's not make it complicated. We don't have to be weird. Number two, be intentional. Just be intentional. So Jesus, he created an intentional moment here by talking about living water. And so he created this interest. And so you and I, we can be intentional. We can do this by going beyond just the surface. Because, you know, like when we talk to people, like most of our conversations are pretty surfacey, aren't they? Hey, man, how you doing? Well, I'm good. Cool. All right. Well, big gulp, huh? All right. See you later. Like, it, like you just kind of walk away from that, right? It's, it's very surfacey. Like sometimes, like, what are, what are, what are we going to do? What are we going to do when you get beyond the surface and somebody goes, hey, man, how you doing? And they go, not too good. Oh, uh, okay. Right, here's the thing. I love this. Andy Stanley, he's, he's a pastor and writer, and, and he says this. I, I love what he says. He says, we've got to listen for the three knots. Like when you're talking with somebody, you want to be intentional in your, you sharing your story, listen for these three knots. And so he says there's three knots that will almost happen all the time when you're talking to somebody. And so he gives them, he says this one. The first one is not going well. You ever talk to somebody and they said, hey, man, how are you doing? And they go, not too well or things aren't going well, right? You know what? That's a moment for you to talk about when things haven't gone well for you. How many of us have had times when things did not go well? should be all of us, right? So we all have a story around that, right? Secondly, he says, listen for this knot. Listen for the, when somebody says, I'm not from here. Like, hey, you're not from here. And that's not an opportunity for you to go, you ain't from around here, are you? Like, like that's not, like, that's, you know, that's not that moment. Okay, that's t- another time. Uh, but um, when somebody says, I'm not from around here, because here, here's what I know, especially if you live here in Oak Ridge, like most people aren't from here. There's a few of you you glow, right? I see you back there. And so, like, there, there's a, f- I'm just kidding. Like, like we, there's, there's some people that are from here, but even in, like, how, how many of you in here are not from here? Wow. Right? How many of you have ever lived in a place where you were not from? Right? So you know what it's like if somebody says, I'm not from around here. Like, you know right? You know what it is like to not be from somewhere, so you have a story around that knot that you can talk to somebody. Like, some of your stories, like, around that knot is, you know what? I wasn't from here, but then I got plugged into this church, and so I know that you're not from here, so you should come and get, like, come meet some people. Come and and see. 
I met some people from our first service this morning. They came, and they're like, we're not from here. We're from Atlanta. We just moved here. And it's like, welcome to the Ridge, right? You know, it's just, it's good. So we have stories around that. And then the third one he says is this. He says, not prepared for. When people say that they were not prepared for something. So uh, I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but we've all had moments that we were not prepared for, right? Prepared for. We've all had those moments. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, a couple, maybe a year or so ago, uh, a moment that they were not prepared for was a moment when they found out that they were having triplets. They were not prepared for triplets, right? It was like, oh, hey, there's one. There's two. Oh, no, there's three, right? It's like, and we were not prepared for that. Some of you uh, were not prepared for things, and so you have stories around not being prepared for something. And so you can share your stories. And he- here's what I, I know. If you're intentional about your three knots and talking about your stories around those things, I bet you that Jesus has something to do with some of those. And you get to talk about that. So that's what Andy Stanley says, the, the three knots. These are opportunities to, to share our story or maybe even to, just to invite someone to church because when people are, things aren't going well, when they're not from around here, or they're not prepared for things, like that's a good moment for you to say, well, let me, let me tell you my story, but also, you know, I'd love for you to, just, you know, come to church, be around some people that, you know, will love you and accept you for who you are and past and brokenness and everything. Like if you only knew the type of person you're probably sitting to right, like right now, you know, I mean, like they're welcome here. I promise you, like, hold your purse tight is all I'm saying. And so, like, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just talking about the staff. But, um, so, like, like, you just, you just, you just, you just share your story. Some of y'all got, like, really nervous. <laughs> I saw a few of you go, like, uh, like you know, I'm just kidding. So, number three, two more and we'll close. Number three, know that you can make a difference. Know that you can make a difference. You see, you never know what hangs in the balance of you sharing your story with somebody else. This woman in the story that Jesus met, she went and she shared her story and an entire village came to know Jesus. What if she didn't share her story? What if she went back and she said, you know what, my faith is a private thing. Or, you know what, I don't want to be weird. Or, you know what, I'm too busy. Like, I got water I got to bring back. I don't have time. She didn't let her fears stop her. She made a difference. I want to show you a quick video. It's about four minutes long. But this video is from a couple of people in our church that attend here. And I want to show you how important a simple invite, what hangs in the balance of an invite, just simply inviting somebody to church or inviting them to to hear your story. I want to show you what the power of that, what hangs in the balance of that. So I want you to watch this video from uh, Crystal and Jeannie who attend here at the Ridge. Check this out. Just kidding? Maybe, maybe not. 
Yeah, we can yeah, we just ask them. All right, so let me just tell you their story. So Crystal and Jeannie, uh, if you guys get that up, go ahead and roll it. But uh, Crystal and Jeannie, they, they attend here at the Ridge, and so uh, their story is amazing. Like Crystal and Jeannie will tell you, they're a mother and a, uh, and a daughter, and they will tell you their story. Like they were here in the first service. They were sitting right, right there on the second row, and uh, we showed their video, and um, they just, it's, it's amazing every time. But here's their story. Like they were not church people. Like in fact, Crystal... Uh, will tell you like she had never been to church hardly at all in her entire life. And then somebody invited her to be here. And she was a person that she, she in the video, she says that, you know, uh, sometimes like you just get invited five, six, seven times and I would just say no every single time. And then finally somebody handed me an invite card to the Ridge and we finally just said, you know what, let's give this a shot. And so they came and they've not left ever since. This has been a couple of years back. And so they've, they've been here ever since. And their lives have been radically changed and radically altered. Jeannie tells a story in the video. She tells a story where she says that uh, because she's been coming here to the Ridge, like she had this resentment and bitterness and, and was holding on to not forgiving uh, a man who killed her other daughter in, back in 1995. And she, it was because of uh, coming to our recovery ministry here and, and just listening you know, to the fact that because God has forgiven us, he has called us to forgive others, she just a few months ago forgave this man. Powerful, powerful stuff. All because, all because someone invited them to be here. And so uh, we'll, we'll, we'll send their story out through an email or put it on Facebook or something this week so you guys can see that. But just an absolute power, powerful story. Now, think about this for a moment. What if somebody said, you know what, I'm not going to hand this invite card out. I'm not going to invite them or I'm not going to do this. What if that invite card had never gotten into their hands? You see, you can make a difference. Your story matters and it can make a difference. And finally, last but not least, number four. Number four says this. Just trust Jesus. Just trust Jesus. Here, I, I love this because this is, so, this is so freeing. This is so freeing. Listen, check this out. Think about this for a moment. It is not your job to save anyone. Do you know that? It is not your job to save anyone. In fact, Jesus says this in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. He says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Who came to seek and to save the lost? The Son of Man, not you, not me. And so getting someone to be saved is not your job. Your job and my job is just to be obedient to God and to just share our stories. That's it. That's it. I love what Paul says in Ephesians 2. In fact, he says this. He says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. You didn't save you. You didn't save anybody. Jesus does that. And so the work of salvation is left to God. Our responsibility is just to be obedient and to attempt to persuade others. That's it. And so the pressure is off. The pressure is off. There's a book by a guy named Bill Hybels. He wrote this book called Just Walk Across the Room. And it's really a book about sharing your story. It's a fantastic book. I encourage you to get it and read it. Um, If you want a copy of it, I've got several in my office. I'll just give you one. But uh, in the book, he asks this question. It's really the whole premise of the whole thing. He asks this question. He says this. He says, what if helping redirect someone's eternity is as simple as just walking across the room or walking across your yard or walking across the street or walking across your office or walking across a hallway? What if helping redirect someone's eternity is literally that simple? It's a good question to wrestle with, isn't it? So here's the challenge. 
Next week, we're going to end this series. It'll be the last week of this series, and I hope that you'll be back next week and hope that you'll be with us. But here's the challenge for this week. I want to challenge you for the next six, seven days to share your story with two or three people. Like literally, just to be able to say, hey, this is who I was before I met Jesus. This is kind of what Jesus has done in me, and this is where I am now. Like this is kind of what has happened then. And, I, and I, you put that story in any of the words that you want to put it in, just like we talked about. Don't be weird. Be intentional. Uh, you know, trust Jesus. All of that stuff. But share your story with two or three people. And if possible, if possible, this is not necessary, but if possible, invite them to be here next week. We would love for the people that you share your story with to be here next week. Because next week, next week we're just going to talk about the gospel and say this is who Jesus is and this is what he does. And we would love those people that you share your story with to be able to be here. We want you, if you're sitting in a seat right now, we want you to be here next week for the end of this Best Day Ever series because I really, truly, honestly believe that next week is going to be somebody's best day ever. It's going to be somebody's best day ever. And maybe, maybe it's going to be somebody that you know, somebody that you've shared your story with, somebody that you've invited for their best day ever. And so as you consider those things, even as you leave here today outside of these doors at the Ridge Central area right out there, if you stop by there, there's invite cards out there. Grab some. Maybe you got some last week. Get some more. Grab those. And so we want to put those in your hand uh, as you leave today. Would you take a moment and pray with me? Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for all that you've done here this morning. God, we thank you that, God, you give us the call to ask people to come and see come and see what you've done. God, to come and see what you've done in our own lives and the lives of people that, that we love and know. God, would you, would you give us the courage? God, as we think about two or three people that we know that we need to share a story with, God, maybe it's somebody in our office, maybe it's somebody in our school, maybe it's somebody um, that we work with, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's somebody in our own house or in our own family. God, would you give us the courage? to share our story, to talk about your grace in our own lives and all that you've done. Father, make us brave. Give us the words to say. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We're going to take a few minutes and just respond by singing a song. And we invite you to stand to your feet. And we want you to come and take communion with us if you want to. We have communion available right up here. Also, we have a couple of prayer partners in the room that maybe you just want to pray with me like, hey, I want to share my story with these people. And so I just, would you pray with me for them, for me, for each other? And so Becky's right over here. Mike is right over there. And I'll be down front down here. So if you want to pray with somebody, then AJ's right here. He'd pray with you as well. So grab one of us. We'd love to pray with you or just stand right where you're at and pray. But come and take communion, worship, ask for the courage to be able to say what God is calling you to say.